Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Is your cricket kit looking a bit rubbish? Well, Prophecy Cricket can help. Prophecy Cricket offer the very best cricket equipment, including the finest handcrafted English willow cricket bats and top-notch gloves, pads, bags and keeping gear. Listeners of this podcast can now get 20% off all cricketing equipment at prophecycricket.com. Use the code MIDDLEPLEASE at the checkout to get 20% off the entire range. Look good, feel great, play better with Prophecy Cricket. Visit prophecycricket.com today. Cricket is back and in full swing. William Hill is the place to be for cricket punters this year with a suite of offers across all formats of the game, domestically and internationally. Check out all William Hill's in-play offers along with all the latest odds and promotions at williamhill.com or on the free app. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. Hello everyone and welcome to Middle Please on my other podcast. I am Mark Rood and I'm with my pal, opening batter of Monmouth Sports, Miles Jubb. Hello, Miles. <laughs> hello, hello. Yet yet to play a game for Monmouth Fourths, actually, but it remains uh, it remains an ambition. Um I did some umpiring this week. I, I couldn't declare full availability for the day because we had something to do in the evening, but I did uh, did 40 overs of umpiring, uh, not without incident. This was for Monmouth Thirds taking on the mighty Usk, who were great, actually. Really good fun. So what, what were your sort of rituals? Is the umpire? Did, do you have a constant place to stand? Were you looking down the wicket? Did you switch on, switch off? What were you thinking? Constant place to stand. Yes, I, I stand. Call me, call, me, call me crazy. I stand behind the stumps at the bowler's end because I just thought, oh, I'll get quite... How many paces? Were, were you tight the stumps? Were you further back? Uh, it really depend on the bowler's action. But uh, I had... Um, I had my glasses on, so I backed myself to see all the way to the other end of the pitch. Um, 
So I, I gave this guy a knot out because I heard two noises. And then I asked him at the end of the over, I said, oh, yeah, did you hear? I, I thought you hit that. I heard two noises. And he went, oh, yeah, there were two noises. It hit both pads. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to uh, apologise to the bowler there. I also did something slightly humiliating, which was a, a guy who had already hit a few sixes, whack one straight back at the bowler. And I could just see it coming at me. And uh, having been in the situation before and I've been knocked unconscious on a on a cricket field and woken or come to with like lots of worried faces looking down at me uh he smacked it straight back i could get coming straight for me so i hurled myself to the ground and then uh, looked up to see that the bowler had in fact caught it and the entire thing had been (laughs) completely (laughs) completely unnecessary still i I would i would still recommend that as the right thing to do do you think you would have gotten out the way do you think you would maybe plunged into action and took the catch yourself I no, I think I, I quite enjoyed that aspect about umpiring. When the ball's coming towards you, you're like, "Oh, great! It's my job to get out of the way and not have to, uh, <laughs> not have to do it." I did. There was one point I was at quite quite deep square legs. I think I always say to the leg, the square leg fielder, "Do you want me to be back so you've got all the you know you can see as much as you can?" And then a big catch went up near him, and so I got well well out of his way. Uh, the catch was dropped, and he threw it in, and then they were appealing for a run out. Now I. I'd sort of turned off a little bit. So not only was I not quite watching, but by this point I'd probably wandered out to sort of deep mid-wicket and I gave it in a panic. And then I went, what am I doing? I, don't, I, I, I can't, you know. So I said to the wicketkeeper, you, you've just got to tell us if that's out or not. And he, uh, he, he batted on. But it was, uh, it was fun. But you've been playing first-class cricket, which is of a, oh, miles, miles, an even miles. higher standard. We're not, we're not, yeah, we're not even done being done talking about this umpiring fiasco. There's... I want to know, are you... It wasn't a fiasco, Mark. Are you a Billy Bowden-style six? You said there was a couple of sixes. Did you give it the Billy Bowden crooked finger six? No, there was was quite a lot of six, because I reckon from one end, if you're batting on where thirds play, I reckon an outside edge to the third man boundary could well be under 30 metres. So... Oh, those that gives you an indication of some of the dimensions. There are quite a lot of sixes. No, I think the way Billy Bowden signals six, um, that that that's his trademark. Too much, too much energy. As um, was Billy Bowden one of the people umpiring in the last test of the O five Ashes series? Is that information you have to mark? Yes, he was. Yes. Well, I can remember a bit of commentary right at the end when they came out and they took the bales off for the end. Rudy, Rudy Curtin as well. Rudy Curtin and Billy Bowden, and they came out like the military knights of Windsor doing everything in step, or like French waiters <laughs> all lifting cloches at the same time. And uh, the Channel 4 commentator at the time, uh, a man called Michael Atherton, he said uh, with a note of scorn in his voice, what a theatrical performance from these two umpires. And... That to me, you think, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's no, you can't showboat in that position. So what kind of, what kind of out are you? Were you slow death, Rudy Curtin? Were you the old Van Cat when he used to come out the side? Crooked finger, Billy Bowden? What kind of out are you? The only time that I actually had to raise my finger, I also then had to put it down again and say, sorry, what am I talking about? I can't see. So unless that goes on <laughs> to become my trademark, and that really would be, that's got, that, I can't, I can't do that again. Um, and were you were you ever power mad? Were you like, oh, the sun's in my eyes at square leg? I'll have to go at the point. Were you that kind of player? No, no, no. That seems that seems absolutely demented to me. Um, <laughs> as it as if like the fielder would go, well, I can't field at square leg. The sun's in my eyes. I'll I'll field at point. I think you're you're out there. You've got to stand where you put. Um, but it was yeah, it was fun. It was just great to be out there. I mean, you know, that sort of 
level of cricket you've got older people younger people people just you know it's a sort of encouraging environment and i and i kind of think that's that's really good and so some of the young people playing were fantastic there's a, a leg spinner that was just how hard it is to bowl leg to bowl leg spin and he was really straight he kept you know i was really impressed with how accurate he was now listen it's all very well of you to take such interest in my uh, burgeoning career as someone that umpires for half of games and then leaves to go to social events but um you've been playing actual paid cricket your job you've been yeah. doing your job mark um yeah. if, uh, and you've demolished warwickshire in what two and a half days? Yep, uh, it was a great game for us, Durham. I think it's been it had been coming actually. We've, we've played some really good stuff, but of course, when you don't get over the line, um, you don't win the games. We've drawn two um, and lost one, so to actually put a win on the board was a great feeling and um, against a, uh, one of the strongest, most informed teams in the country. So very, very delighted with that performance, and of course, it gives gives you an extra day off. <laughs> That, of course, is what it's all about. Uh, almost as good as rain. Um, but I thought you weren't going to play until sort of deep into May. What 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 brought this on? Were you just itching to get out there? Well, originally my plan was sort of done in India, where at the end of the tour you're a little bit sort of... Can you say the word bollocks? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I was a little bit bollocks at the end of the tour. And um, I just... I just was just ready for a bit of home time, a bit of family time. I'd, I'd been away for a long periods of the winter but then when I'd settled back in here for a couple of weeks um I just think it was ready I was ready to get back out and, and get some cricket going and with because also at the end of that India tour Mark you were I would say um and I speak as someone who has a relative who is a doctor you were particularly bollocksed uh, because <laughs> yeah. that that last one day international you were you looked like a sort of student having a whitey outside a pub I mean you're just totally gone that's like going shopping when you're hungry, Mark. That is not you shouldn't be in that state mm. when you sort of plan the next month ahead because you won't feel like that forever. Well, I can't play cricket until May because I just need to sort of put my face in the sink in my ass for a bath until about you know <laughs> July or whatever. You can't. You can't. That's not. That's not a time to make decisions. Yeah. Well, it was, it was great to be back for Durham, and the, the only downside of the whole game was that we were told that um, when we got to three hundred, the lead of three hundred, we were going to declare. So the last over we're on two nine nine off spinners on and I've knocked I've knocked a single the leads three hundred and it gets the last ball of the over and Bryden Carsey on batting with he knocks it for one so the lead is three or one I've ran through and started to run off the field of course the declaration didn't come so I'm thinking what's going on here we're we're gonna bowl before lunch so it's getting close to lunch time I'm thinking what are we waiting for here so I'm thinking oh, maybe they're just wanting to score as many quick quick runs as we can I'm, I'm on about 16 or 17 not out I've of course tactically knocked it around to get the 300 thinking well I'll get a nice not out here and you know boost the average a little bit I'll get a not out you know for, for the team yeah yeah, yeah. so Danny <laughs> Danny Briggs is on <laughs> next over and I've, I've tried a big uh, slog sweep and got bowled to which the captain has then pulled us in Scott Bothwick he's cost me my, he waited for me to get out cost me my red ink <laughs> I think he was trying to rev me up for my bowling personally, but um, yeah, couldn't couldn't believe it. Well, did it work? Uh, it did. I got a wicket before lunch, so maybe it was all part of the, the master plan. It was all worth it. Well, maybe he was just enjoying watching you bat so much. He thought, "I can't, I can't declare with if Woody's still, you know, if there's still runs in Woody's tank." Now uh, we have a mailbox. That I'm uh, going to open up. There is still sightings. Um, petrol stations are still. Um, 
sightings are still coming in. Uh, so let's have a look at some of these. Mark, I want your instinctive gut reactions to these. Uh, Kyle Hartigan, I spotted Ian Botham at the Sainsbury's garage, East Filton in Bristol, circa 2001. That's very interesting. That is, of course, Bristol, an area uh, very popular with the paintings of Banksy. I think we should probably investigate if there's some sort of connection there. Um, uh, KT Gregson also spotted uh, Sir Ian Botham. I was only young at the time. We were filling up at Kirkby Stephen Petrol Station when Ian Botham pulled up. My mum knew who he was, but was too scared to go and chat. My dad, the big cricket fan, was inside paying. He got back in the car, but mum waited until we'd <laughs> driven off before she thought to mention who'd been next to us. He was naturally fuming and still talks about this missed opportunity <laughs> to this day. Oh, dear, that's, uh, that's a recipe for uh, domestic strife. Um, now, this is the sort of title that I wished our correspondents had more often. Uh, the Reverend Canon Mike Powis. Um, sometime around 2012, on the return journey from a diocesan conference, uh, just as the clergy were leaving their coach at Warwick Services, the Glamorgan team coach pulled up alongside. Simon Jones was the most recognisable player, but apart from me, none of the clergy cricketing fraternity were on the bus, so I had no one to tell. I believe Simon Jones had the same issue looking for Anglicans on his coach. Uh, also, my daughter was a waitress. That Now, you see, that, that was quite a test of my sort of uh, religious, ecclesiastical language. I'm glad to know that I've still got that stuff in the locker. Um, also, uh, the Reverend Canon Mike Powers says, my daughter was a waitress at the Pizza Hut local to the Rose Bowl. At the start of the glorious 2005 summer, prior to the T20, a large group of England players visited, including Michael Vaughan, KP and Rob Key. Again, none of her colleagues were any the wiser, but she got a number of autographs for her cricket-mad brother. On a regular basis, the answer to the question, who ate all the pizza, was Michael Carberry. Carbs by name, carbs by nature. Uh, <laughs> He also says, I've started running in lockdown, and you are my absolute favourite company. Thank you. Well, uh, Reverend Canon Mike Powers, uh, keep going. One foot in front of the other. And uh, uh, as uh, Joe Wiley says... Couch to 5K. As Joe Wiley says on the five, Couch to 5K, sometimes it helps to repeat the phrase, I really love running. Uh, but inside your head, don't run around. Don't, don't be seen running around, uh, presumably in sports row, rather than your full ecclesiastical garb, saying, I really love running. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, repeat it in here. It's a good, good mantra for work. Sometimes I've had to wear ecclesiastical wear, Mark, and it's not, it's not sort of aerodynamic. You know, it's quite, you know, because because the robes, of course, it's quite quite flappy. And I've never seen anyone wear that shout "I love running" repeatedly either. Yeah, well, you know what? Maybe now's the time. We could start a trend for people to dress in ecclesiastical vestments <laughs> and run around shouting "I love running." Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if it, if, it, if it happens, it's it's probably our, our fault. Um, yeah, also, some on the subject of uh, best and worst times as a spectator, Anita Bruford says, all you need to do to find my best and worst moment is to Google the words Ben Stokes selfie. What comes up is a video of Ben Stokes showing a technologically challenged fan how to take a selfie on the boundary in front of a highly amused pack crowd and worldwide TV audience. Anita says, I had texts from as far as South Africa saying they'd see me on TV floundering with a camera and Ben Stokes. Best and worst ever moment. Best and worst moment ever rolled into one. Uh, now this, um, thank you very much indeed for that. And I will, I will Google that. Um, uh, this next message is from Ed Stone, who of course uh, famously was a lump of stone into which um, Ed Miliband had a number of pledges uh, carved. Uh, uh, Ed Stone says it was back in around 2004. I was fortunate enough to be at a tour match at Arundel with access to the hospitality tent. Uh, my day started early with a few swift glasses of champagne. I sensed. 
once you hear the word hospitality, you, you, you can always sense uh, some sort of drinking anecdote uh, approaching. Um, my day started early with a few swift glasses of champagne followed by a bleary-eyed match. The alcohol and rain delays may be an excuse for what happened next. The match was over, the hospitality tent was dry, and it was time to leave as my lift beckoned me to the car park. I suddenly spotted a tall bloke striding across the outfield towards what I later found out was the reporter's tent. As a keen cricket fan who'd been brought up a Middlesex supporter, I was convinced the speed and gait of this striding man could only be big Gus Fraser. What a legend. I had no hesitation to finish my last large slug of champagne and, like a crazed fan, ran across the pitch to meet one of my cricket heroes. As I got closer, I saw a face I recognised, and so this dispelled any doubt that this was Gus. I boldly entered the reporter's tent and stopped him as he sat down to type his match report. I excitedly said, Gus, please could I have your autograph? His head popped up over the laptop, me still convinced it was Gus, and said, I'm Derek Prince. Or you <laughs> Crikey, we need a merch line, and if that doesn't end up on a T-shirt, what has any of this been for? <laughs> Quickly, I realised my mismatch of trending England medium paces. I wonder what gave it away. Uh, embarrassed and drunk, I just replied, I like your jumper. <laughs> and left. <laughs> I am delighted by that. Absolutely delighted by that. Um, uh, from Mark Shuttleworth. Firstly, what an enjoyable series of shows you put together. Uh, good company for my early morning walks and runs. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, you recently read my son James's tomato-related encounter during an Old Trafford test. Mine is also from Old Trafford, but back in 93 at a county game. I was watching play when a tannoy announcement informed Lancashire members that some extra tickets were now available for the upcoming Benson and Hedges Cup final. I decided to phone my dad to see if he'd like a trip to Lords. In those pre-mobile phone days, Lancashire members could access a small row of phone booths situated inside the pavilion, just below the players' dressing rooms. I walked inside the pavilion, through the doorway, then used by all players walking to the wicket, down to this short corridor of phone booths. Having finished my call, I spotted a shambling, slightly pigeon-toed character walking past me in this otherwise empty space. He wore cricketing whites, but only socks on his feet. He mumbled... As he passed, and then disappeared up the stairs to the home changing room. It was, of course, Mike Atherton. Around ten minutes later, a further Tano announcement congratulated this very same person on his appointment as England captain. <laughs> uh, whilst no doubt informing the press of the great honour of being made England captain, I do wonder whether Atherton's I do wonder whether Atherton's mutterings were related to this news or being unable to locate his slippers. <laughs> There's one you can ask your hero when he hopefully comes on your podcast in the future. Well, let's see if that happens. Uh, thanks very much indeed for your letters uh, please keep them coming uh, I said letters, emails um, please keep them coming send them to uh, middleplease at hotmail.com and uh, well it's uh, time for our guest uh, today um, shall I give you some clues as to who that is Mark? yes, hit me with a clue he's very tall um, uh, well I need another one, one more he's written a book uh, that sold a million copies oh well it's Richard Osmond I'd just like to take a moment to thank our founding sponsors, Cricketers Gin. Cricketers Gin is the perfect podcast partner, as this corker of a gin began its innings at the local village cricket club in Pinkney's Green, Berkshire. Over a G&T, the founders decided that this quintessential British game, along with the wild botanicals growing in abundance, deserved a bespoke gin of its own. Cricketers features milk thistle, wild marjoram and blackberries, amongst other botanicals, delivering a smooth juniper-forward gin. 
If pink is your preference, they also have a delicious raspberry-distilled pink gin. Please take a look at their website, cricketersgin.com, where you'll find a range of gin hampers too. Apply the code CRICKET and you'll receive a discount off your purchases. Cricketers, a small batch gin and a family-owned business. William Hill's Safer Gambling Tools help you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders, and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Richard, dear. Richard, dear. Richard. Richard, dear, no. Great, so we are joined today by none other than uh, television's Richard Osman. Hello, Richard. Hello, Miles. Hi, Mark. How are you both? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Miles, are you good? I'm all right, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit stiff today. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, I will. Uh, yes, I've been doing uh, Couch to 5K, building up very slowly. I'm in week four today, and uh, I don't know if this is the sort of chat you enjoy, Richard, but today is the first day I've come home and thought... Oh, I'm going to have to get the Savlon out. So, oh, that's lovely. Just, just to give you a sort of as, as a kind of metric of progress. You're up to Savlon. <laughs> I don't know what comes. I don't know what is after Savlon in the taking up running. You're two away from talcum powder. That's the ultimate. I have somewhere in the you know those sort of foam polos. Do you know what I mean? That prevent your um. Well, oh, go on. Nipple, <laughs> nipples, nipples bleeding. <laughs> Are you in your laundry room, there, Miles? Uh, I am yes. Um, I share my study with the with the laundry room. Um, really, a lot of laundry in your house. How many kids have got? Like fifteen. I've got f- five children, so yeah, we do have quite a lot of laundry. Um, but also, there was the bit when we moved in. The desk was here, so I've just sort of left it there. You just uh, hear at different points. Good night, Billy Bob. Good night, Billy Joe. <laughs> it is like a version of the Waltons. If Mr. If if Pa Walton was absolutely at the breaking point <laughs> <laughs> all, all day, every day, yeah, I would love. As your kids get a little bit older, maybe you could do the at home with the Jups, like at home with the Kardashians. Mm. Yes, I um, I hopefully it will be free to air. Uh, be, you know, considered <laughs> considered one of the crown jewels. Um, what what happens in at home with the Kardashians? Is it just a sort of domestic advice? program yes essentially one of your kids has to marry kenya west oh yeah um all right done and usually the oldest okay yeah my my son yeah then you have to transition right and then we're done did i have to be a javelin or was i pentathlon um a decathlete Deca- oh that is oh i mean it's hard enough training for like a pentathlon isn't it but in terms of just time management it's twice as much right I imagine even like the great decathletes of our day are like, oh, why have I... Ten! Ten! What was I thinking? Pentathlon is a funny old sport, isn't it? There's shooting and fencing and horse yeah. riding. What would be your... What would you... I mean, if you had to sort of rearrange it, Richard, what would you do? What would you be your five be? That's a really good question. Um, darts. Yep. First. Then pool. Right. Then bar billiards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then... Quite a complicated game. Yes, then we go back to darts again. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then finally delivery, whoever gets the delivery quickest. Oh yeah, that's very good. That's the very modern pentathlon. That's extremely yeah. I don't know. I do worry about things like fencing just disappearing. I have around here someone had their fence nicked. it's a very real risk and yet was it covered by the mainstream media richard you know what no it wasn't 
The silence was deafening. But also, people these days will take offence at anything. Oh, my word, this is absolute... That was gold, wasn't it? This is absolute gold. Hold on a minute, how is this not on TV? <laughs> so let's, um, let's talk uh, cricket, Richard, um, broadly... Um, you, Stuart Broadley. Stuart Broadley. Um, God, is anyone else exhausted? Um, <laughs> did you, <laughs> you, you grew, you grew up in Sussex. Is that right? I did. Yeah. So, what was when you when you became sort of sentient? What? Who were the Sussex players then? Who would have been at their at the peak of their powers? Well, it's Imran Khan, of yeah. course. Uh, we had Garth Larue, the South African. We had Gian Mendes, the Sri Lankan um, opener. He was once about to get four centuries in a row, and then he was on 96 not out in his fourth innings, and John Barkley declared. Uh, John Barkley was the very posh <laughs> captain. It's <laughs> the sort of thing they used to do in those days. He wrote a brilliant book, Life, Life Beyond the Air Uncovered, I think John Barkley was called, a sort of memoir of his time in cricket. But it is a sort of different, a different age. Yeah, he's the sort of person that would manage England tours in the 90s, when it, and it was like they were sort of, you know, sort of modern players, and he was a kind of... Pelham Warner sort of sort of figure going, sorry about all the rats, chaps, but let's try and get our heads down. He essentially made David Gower look like Danny Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> he, was a, he was a gentleman player, I think they called it, didn't they? Uh, so who, and so who else in? Adam Wells, not the sprinter. He was, he was a nice uh, guy. Very, uh, I thought he'd be a bit more like posh and a bit more, but he was actually very relaxed. I thought he'd be um, more like, Posh and a bit more technique based and that, but he literally all he said. I mean, great bit of advice. This was watch the ball. ECB oh. got him in for that. But uh, funny enough, it, it seemed to work when you do watch the ball. You, you tend to hit it more often than not. So um, yeah, good piece of it. He's a nice guy actually. His son not his son plays now, doesn't he? Luke Wells. Um, I played against him quite a bit as well. So I've got his, oh, his autograph, Alan Wells. I got it at the Oval at his own his only test at uh, a petrol station. At uh, a petrol station, uh, I got it. No, just at the uh, as he was leaving the Oval, ninety five. He just scored. I think he got three not out in the second. He faced an over of Brian Lara leg spin, um, which can't have been that common. Um, and so, did you did you go to the games, Richard? I mean, th- these people were they were they the stars of their day for, uh, throughout all of Sussex? I used to go down to Hove uh, a lot. Back when county cricket was back where you go and play on the pitch uh, in all the breaks and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I loved it. We had Dermot Reeve back then, who was my favourite player. It was a good team. Won the NatWest in 86, maybe, against Lancashire. Uh, and we got on telly. We had, um, we had two banners we painted. One was um, Dermot for England, which came true shortly afterwards. And one was Lloyd Kant in Rankan. <laughs> which we were very pleased about. <laughs> Clive, Clive Lloyd was the language of that. <laughs> I can't believe you got Dermot Reeves to play for England just from your banner. I know, right? If you if you ever need me to do anything for you, Mark, you just let me know. He is a man of influence. So, because Dermot Reeves, what he would have been in the ninety one ninety two World Cup squad, wasn't he? And he played a few tests, but he also did. I mean, he was captain of Warwickshire when they did that treble. Mm. Which would have been what ninety four, I think. So it was after a Sussex time. Yeah, he was one of those players who just knew uh, he was irrepressible. I think that's what they call players like that, don't they? Uh, bat a bit, bowl a bit. He just had, uh, you know, just the world was a more fun place when he was uh, when he was around. I would love to have watched him around Khan, though. I bet you that was good. Yeah, he was incredible. But so he was incredible. I mean, in that team, you had Gian Mendes, who was just an extraordinary batsman. He seems to. Have Disappeared from history a little bit. 
Uh, and Garth LaRue, who was the traditional, he was the big sort of blonde, burly South African guy. He would just, back in the day when no one hit sixes, Garth LaRue used to hit sixes. And, uh, you know, that was a, a person. No one used to hit them, did they? Someone like someone like Mike Atherton hit three sixes in his entire, <laughs> just to, to pluck a name from randomly from the ether. I think he hit three in his career or something, and two, <laughs> two of them were top edges. You know, very few... <laughs> The sort of deliberate six was uh, really not not part of the game in those days. At Sussex on the boundary, they had um, these four eggs. And the idea was if any player hit one of these eggs with a six and cracked an egg, there'd be like £5,000 for a local charity. And I went there for 10 years. I never saw it happen once. You know, because <laughs> no one was, you know, if someone hit a three, the place went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> What what end at home would you watch? Would you watch from like the obviously it's sort of big hill, hasn't it? Would you watch from the top end or would you be at the bottom of the bank watching watching from there? I'd be watching from the C end, whichever whichever end that was. There's like there's there's like big blocks of flats at one end, and then like mm. a posh members bit at one end. Like we'd sit by the uh, uh, bit of the members end in deck chairs, uh, and we yeah. once this is a true story. We once got into the members pavilion and won fifty quid on the fruit machine. Back in the day when 50 quid was like, uh, I mean, it's all in pound coins. Can you believe it? They're going to say the start spouting out eggs. <laughs> that's, that was my greatest ever cricket achievement. And you do you get to watch a lot of cricket these days? In fact, no, we went to see cricket together once, Richard. We did, didn't we? At, uh, at Lord's. It was a lot of fun. Was it a T20? That was when we... <laughs> <laughs> that was when I was um, f- put very firmly in my place by... Um, uh, Lord McLaurin. So he was what he used to run the ECB, or maybe when it was still the TCCB. I'd been invited, and I brought Richard as a guest. And when we found our way up to the, the sort of chairman's room, he took one Richard, look at Richard and said, "Thank you so much for coming." And then pointed at me and said, "Does your friend need somewhere to put his coat?" <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Still, still, I will. I'm yet to bounce back, but I've, you know, it's just, it's just around the corner. Great days, and that was when we were very well treated that day. They were lovely to us, and that was when I think his wife said, "Thank you for all you do." To me, which is, I felt like, I felt like an NHS hero for the first time in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you forget pre-pandemic. Of course, this country was just on the brink of uh, applauding Richard Osman every night, Thursday at eight o'clock. I think. Because of all you do, I I did. Um, Mark, have you ever been on Pointless Celebrities? I haven't. Have you? I I've done it t- twice. I think you'd be perfect at that, Mark. I don't know. I've seen. I'm sure I've seen a clip of Ravi Bapara on it. Have you had many cricketers on, Richard? We've had a few cricketers, Goffy, and any cricketer who's been on Strictly has basically been on. <laughs> um, but yeah, you'd be you'd be very welcome. Come on with Miles. I mean, he's not the greatest partner you're ever going to find. People think you're quite bright, Miles, but there's something I think because you're quite posh. They think, oh, Miles would be good at yeah. the quiz. No, I know very little. It's the thing, it's about having this kind of um, uh, speaking like this and having this bearing. It's a sort of thing like in restaurants, people go, perhaps you'd like to choose the wine. I'm like, oh, no. Uh, yeah, well, they all, they all look super. I mean, yeah, take your pick here. Uh, I have no, but I do. I think, I think I lost the first time. I think we did all right this time. I think we came second or third. Have you been on any sort of sports coverage, Richard? Have you been invited to the darts ever? What have I done? I, I quite often do stuff at the uh, snooker. Yeah. I've been on Test Match Special. I got invited up to the uh, to the box on Test Match Special, which is really, really good fun when we were playing India in Edgebaston. I really enjoyed that. And that's a great place to watch cricket as well, isn't it, Edgebaston? That is a, mm. that is a fantastic oh, place. best ground for atmosphere. 
but I don't, I, I'm not somebody who likes a freebie. I don't like it if someone says, oh, come and have tickets to this or that, the other. But if you're invited to do an interview or something, I sort of feel, well, that, I'm kind of doing a job then, aren't I? I'm sort of working. I'm working. I, w- I wish I had time to enjoy it, but sadly I've got to chat about myself for 38 minutes in the middle of the day. Uh, <laughs> did you did you commentate on the cricket, Richard? Like, did you do the commentary or did you just do like the lunchtime bit? Or, oh, do you know what? Just the lunchtime bit. I would love to commentate. I would honestly, that would be my. Can you imagine? I can't. I have terrible eyesight. Okay, I'm very visually impaired, so I can't see anything that's going on in cricket. Like, I'm interested in the people. That's what I'm interested in. And uh, I think it's the start of a new over. Everyone seems to have spread out a bit. I think. <laughs> exactly. Well, maybe there's doves on the ground. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> when they say, oh, there's a bit of in-swing there, that's like, oh, that's a googly. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the, guy, the guy threw the ball, which I can't see at any point. Uh, I can see the ball in a slow-mo. If someone hits for six, I can see it. But that's the only time I can see it. So to me, cricket is a soap opera. You know, cricket is, here's the plucky new Indian guy we haven't heard of before. Here's Mark Wood. He genuinely looks like he needs to throw up, but he's, he's still... <laughs> chugging in there uh you know that's what i love about cricket i love the players i love the personalities the actual nuts and bolts of it the kind of the, the fine motor skills of it i don't see any of it so it's um to me it's a it's it, it's a, it's a people sport rather than a technical sport but you're also you're good at you'd be good at sort of filling in the silences wouldn't you if there was a kind of you know the um the sort of fun victor marks role where you just have to sort of chat at the end of the over or or, or, or whatever i'm not i'm not saying there's no skill to it i mean it's incredibly skillful but that thing and uh, <laughs> you know after a word from richard osman and you could talk about anything couldn't you you could you, oh, know, you could be i would absolutely love to do that it's like when you're watching the india thing and they're all obviously at home and so you know you've got um bumble literally in his living room in lancashire and he's really, uh, you know, he's discursive enough normally. But when he's in his own living room and his wife is in the kitchen, I mean, really, you get an insight into David Lloyd's life. And I could, that I could do, I think. Yeah. I could say, oh, sorry, that's the Amazon delivery. Excuse me. Talking of, <laughs> t- talking of deliveries, here's Mark Wood. There you go. That kind of thing. <laughs> Talk of putting something behind the bins, here's Mark Wood. <laughs> I think that would be glorious. That, that thing about um, not knowing what's going on, the finer detail. I, 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 I mean, I became a cricket fan when I was about 11 and I watched, you know, I'd watched so much of it and played as often as I could before I became terrified, I suppose. But I, I even then, I, there were things of it that I assumed were just sort of lies that people didn't really mention or whatever. So if it said like, well, that's fantastic placement, I think... Well, I mean, if you once you hit the thing, it could go anywhere, couldn't it? I mean, that's just that's being nice. He happens to have hit it between two fields. What are they talking about? But it, it seemed to me that it was just this this kind of sort of gentlemanly way of viewing the game as describing seemingly completely random acts as totally deliberate. And then I played in a sort of charity game at um, uh, Wormsley, I think it's called, or the Chilterns or Cotswolds, whichever ones I can't remember which one it is. And and I was opening the batting with um, Andrew Strauss, and I <laughs> yes, I mean. There haven't been many days like that in mine or his career. and But what I suddenly realised, watching him, uh, basically, I suddenly realised like it was watching somebody in slow motion. And when he hit the ball, he really was seeing everything in a sort of 360 degree. And everything he did was genuinely, absolutely deliberate. And I'd always assumed, you know, for 20 years more of watching cricket, that there was a huge amount of sort of luck and chance involved. And I suddenly, you know, it was quite a sort of Damascene moment for me. I thought... Oh my word! They're actually doing all of this deliberately. I had really, I had really no idea until I got that sort of close to the action. I hope you were still in between shots, sort of walking to the middle of the, the uh, wicket with him and just saying, 
just let me keep the uh, let me keep the strikes, Drowsy. Just uh, <laughs> answer. Oh. Well, we just we just need to rotate it, mate. That's all we need to do. There's no there's no point stressing, you know, because I, there's another game I played with um and I I with Ashley Giles, and I was so enthusiastic about this. That was not didn't seem like at the time too long after. Uh, 05 and I any, anything that, that seemed to me to justify meeting mid-pitch and bumping gloves together I would take any opportunity I think maybe he saw <laughs> a, a maiden and I thought oh, fantastic that's got to be enough <laughs> sort of going absolutely crazy with oh, I'd love to do that um, did I've I've got to say just a, you know sport has kept us sane during lockdown I think and it's extraordinary the lengths that uh, Mark and various other people have gone to but that 50 uh, the, the one day series against India that's oh. got to be one of the best things of the last year. Extraordinary. What was it like to play in, Mark? I mean, it was to watch. It was a just a dream. Yeah, it was. It was tough. Um, it, you know, the two good teams. Um, obviously, we didn't have Jofra Wopsy in the fifty overs, but we still had a strong side. They had a really strong side, um, and I just felt it was as close to top level cricket that you're going to see. Mm. Good conditions, good for batting small grounds. Um, so it was it was all around the skill level on shore. Um, as a bowler, sometimes you can think, oh, everything's piled in the bathroom's fair, but of course I'm going to say that. But, you know, mm-hmm. now you look at you look at bowlers, they've got slow balls, like knuckle balls, they've got slow balls on the back of the hand. And the game is just developing so quickly and in terms of like the pace that everything's done at. And um, I mean, the, the second ODI that we won, we couldn't believe this is genuine how slowly Rahul and Coley batted and they wow. and Rahul Rahul got 100 and Coley got 80 now if you look <laughs> at the if you look at the scorecard you'd say wow those two guys batted well but we thought in our minds they're just knocking the spinners around here if this was our batters we'd be trying to launch them out the ground and then yeah. that sort of give her that belief going into the end no, no matter what they got we're going to chase this down and it's just amazing to have that sort of confidence in your team I know that we obviously we didn't win the series but um, long term I think it's better that we make mistakes yeah learn from them than if we'd won those won the 2025 nil and we'd won the ODI series 3 nil we'd have come away from there thinking oh well we've, we've cracked it but actually I think it's better that we've made some mistakes and I cannot believe that the heat thing I think is absolutely amazing that thing of doing something of extreme extreme effort uh, in that kind of heat, and I know you do your training. You go into that kind of marquee filled with steam and all the, these these sorts of what uh, you know. You keep your radiators up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just going to turn it up a notch, darling, just because I'm going to India in a week, and I just want to just make sure. Um, but it, 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 what's required of of you? I mean, seems seems phenomenal. Thirty eight degrees or something, and the the air quality wasn't great as well. Um, so I was struggling basically with the heat and, and a bit of sickness that last game. Um, well, you totally co- you totally covered it. We wouldn't have known. <laughs> the, you mean I don't look as fresh as I do now? You plastered that smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> it was pure show, showtime, Mr Crosby. I mean, honestly, none the way. <laughs> the audience didn't have a clue, love. Uh, <laughs> the problem was that every time I was taking a drink, so... I, the my mouth was so dry. It was like I was like spitting pigeons or something. It was just literally so dry. And then, like every ball, I was like, I need a drink here um, with the with the air quality. So I'd get a drink, and of course, then I'd be full of water running in next ball. And then oh. I'd be like, Oh, I feel like I'm going to chunder here. I get back my mark, and then it'd be the same thing again. 
oh, spitting cotton here. I need some sort of water. <laughs> Get a drink in the same cycle. Kept, and I was red hot and the same cycle kept going round and round and round. And eventually I was just like, look, I'm, as soon as we got that last week, I was thinking in my head as I was bowling, just keep running in, pick your legs up, just keep in, running in, pick your legs up. And then every time I was walking back to my mark, it was, do not throw up on telly. Don't you dare <laughs> yeah. throw up on television. Yeah. Don't you dare throw up on telly. Your mom will never forgive you. And then it wasn't <laughs> until we got the last week and I was sprinted in the dressing room. And I, the doctor had given me Mo- Morgan's floppy hat to wear so that I didn't um, overheat. And I took the floppy hat on. As I took the floppy hat off, I was like, I'm going here. And I started, <laughs> and I could hear the doctor who would follow me and say, not in his hat. Get to the toilet. <laughs> so I just slug his hat in a frisbee way and sprinted to the toilet. Um, and yeah, a couple of, couple of unfortunate chundas. And then after that, I felt fine. It was weird. It was two two of them. And then after I'd getting everything up, it was it was okay. Could have bowled out and bowled some more. What was wrong with you? <laughs> But it was so, everyone has been in that position. We could see that you wanted to throw up. Everyone could see that. And everyone's had that thing of saying, am I going to get to the bathroom in time? Everyone's had that thing. And it was that on a grand scale. You happened to to perform on this television stage and do this incredible thing. And everyone knew all you're thinking is, right, when is, literally, when is the second that I can throw up? And and then I was thinking, then I couldn't believe they made you bat as well. Just the captain just kept coming in the other. All good, mate. Well, I can't say no. The captain of England, can't. yeah, fine, mate. Just keep going. Yeah. All right, keep going. Um, try and keep your pace up this over. Right, okay, mate. No problem. <laughs> that's, that's good advice. I bet any we, money, uh, him, he, he, and, he and some of the other players had a bet, and Josh yeah. is just going, I bet any money I can get him to throw up. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> do you think Morgan's hat would have been the right one to go in? In terms of if you had if you had to go in because he's the most sort of relaxed, I imagine. There's some people that uh, that seem more angry, whereas he'd be very kind of. Well, no, I'm not concerned at all by you know Mark Bowler. Uh, Mark Mark Bowler. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not concerned at all. If you were if you were thinking of changing your name, you could do worse actually than renaming yourself Mark Bowler. At least the, at least it sort of makes makes sense. Um, uh, they. Uh, you know, he'd be like, "Well, you know, that's 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 fine. It's you know, it's that's part of international cricket these days. You know, any number of ninety-five mile an hour plus." Yeah, yeah I think he'd be very lovely. He'd, he'd make sure that he um, he kept me on side. But maybe that that could be the the next answer on pointless. Which ball I threw up in the England captain's floppy hat going into the dressing room? <laughs> I would. Whose who's hat would you throw up in, Miles? Um, probably my own. <laughs> oh, okay. I just I just think, and I'm this is. This in terms of nearest to hand, and also just the sheer the sheer manners of it. Um, have you uh, played cricket much, Richard? Not really. Again, because of my eyesight, I couldn't. So at school, I did a little bit, and I can bowl because batting is so dangerous. Even to when I was at school, the fastest bowler was Kendrick Oliver. Uh, if you remember Kendrick, who I was at primary school with, um, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to face Kendrick Oliver even with a tennis ball. Um, so, so you're I, one of the good guys, then, Richard. Is what you're telling us. You're you're a bowler. You're one of the good guys. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's none this fist, fist pump with Ashley Giles. Run, great shot, Miles. There's none of this fist pump in the middle of the wicket, is there? That's such a good Ashley Giles impression. We did all the hard work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was. Uh, I like to think I was. What's what's one below medium pace? Dead. Slow medium. Slow medium. That's what I was. That's what I was. But military. No. <laughs> was I often sick? No. 
you know, it swings and roundabouts. I the line of a fast bowler at the speed of a spinner. That's my uh, that's my style. Like it. Seen that get wickets before? Don't you worry about that. Um, what if you could go abroad to watch cricket, Richard? And um, one day I will be able to. Yeah. Which um, and you know, perhaps take some binoculars with you or something like that. So it's not a so it's not a wasted journey. Um, where? <laughs> Where, uh, where, where would you go? Well, for the holiday experience, West Indies, of course, that's great fun. For the actual experience of watching India or Pakistan, I'd love to go to a you know proper stadium full of Indian or Pakistan cricket fans because it's the loudest. Tell you, it, the loudest. it is without doubt the loudest. Uh, Miles, you know that. Like the knock, the literally, it's even if it's just a one. They go crazy. I mean, I remember being in part when I was part of the IBL. Um, the team, the franchise I was with, was sort of um, Dhoni was the captain, Chennai Super Kings. So it would be like Ray and I would walk on the ground, and that'd be a huge cheer. And then it would be like uh, Raidu would walk on huge cheer, Harbajan. And then if Dhoni just literally would walk onto the field to warm up, the cheer was like louder than a four in the match or a, or six in the match. It was just. Phenomenal. I don't know how those guys deal with it. Like the the sort of the way that they're put on that pedestal, like they're like a god. Like Donny's like a god. Everywhere he goes, um, they just they absolutely love him. It's just amazing. I've never seen support like it. I would actually like to go. This is a bit left field, maybe. I would I'd love to go and watch cricket in New Zealand. Oh. Because um, I just think it would be tremendously relaxing. I just, I really, I really do. I remember going, I was working in Wellington and I went to the Basin Reserve uh, and it's a monument. So you can walk, you can, and it's, unless there's a match on, you can literally walk across the pitch all the time. And all they've done is just rope off the square. You can go, you, I said to someone, can we, should we go and play cricket one afternoon? And they went, yeah, well, we can go to the Basin Reserve and play there. And it seemed to me to be completely ridiculous. And I, I was walking around there, and I went into the museum there, and I was talking to the guy saying, it's amazing to me that you've got a test venue here, and all you've got to do is, you know, just rope off the wicket. I mean, is that not a, is that not a problem? And he goes, how do you mean? And I said, well, I mean, couldn't people just walk on there? And he went, well, people don't. And I was going, yeah, but people, people could just walk on the screen. He goes, yeah, but no, they just know not to. And I was like, oh, my, this is very hard. He said, I mean, we have had trouble. I mean, there were some people broken upstairs. They were uh, taking drugs up there. In fact, the body was found behind the sight screen once. But uh, no, no, that's the wicked. <laughs> he was like, well, so I think, I think it would be quite a mellow experience. Mark, have you prepared for you yet? You know what? Uh, yes, I need to grab that. Is he going to get Owen Morgan's hat? <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do is guess the last four meals that Mark had prior to that ODI. Um, no, uh, Mark, the next bit, Mark has to go and get ready in his costume. I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to take away the surprise. You'll probably tell us that this is actually stolen from another very successful format. Um, but uh, this is called... Um, well, i tell you what, why, why don't you explain it, Mark? Yeah, this will be an event called Mark Woods Rovers. Obviously not as... Um, good as the darts pentathlon that uh, you suggested, but <laughs> it is 90 seconds of you just coming and saying the first thing that comes into your head. There's probably about 10 things I'm going to ask you, um, and if you could just give us your best answer, and then that's it. We've got 90 seconds oh, for the super one or just no, just what whatever whatever comes okay. to your mind. It could be one word, it okay. can be a sentence. Uh, Miles, are you on the clock? I'm on the clock. Richard Osmond, three, two, one. Turning pitch or green top? Green top. Favourite TV dog? Oh, um, Bouncer from Neighbours. 
the original. Last photo you took. Oh, hold on. I've just taken a screenshot of the three of us. That's nice, isn't it? Oh. Mars is washing the scene. <laughs> uh, what's your favourite cricket ground? Um, the county ground in Hove. Good answer. If a duck flew at you, would you duck or fight back? Uh, I would respectfully. I would. I would probably duck. Fighting back seems a little. You know, they're not being aggressive. He doesn't know or she. Mm. Um, now we're preparing for India. Uh, would you rather mm. jump in the steam room or the sauna? Um, oh, I don't really know what the difference is between a steam room and a sauna. Is there a difference? No. One's okay. watery, one's dry. Favourite player as a child? Um, well, I'm going to say, I should say Dermot Reed, but I'm going to say Imran Khan. Heaviest thing you've ever dropped on your foot? Oh, that's such a good question. Like one of those old medicine balls we used to have at school. Oh, my days. In your sand shoes. What's the worst thing you've been bitten by? I think I sort of have nothing. A cat is probably. I don't think I've ever been bitten by a dog, and insects don't count, so maybe like a cat bite. I don't, I've been lucky with bites, now I name think about it. Name three PSL teams. That's Pakistan Super League. Name three PSL teams. Oh, and our time is up. Thank you very much, everybody, <laughs> for joining us. Thank you, Mark. We've got Thank one you, more. Miles. We've got one more. You've got to finish on this one. Miles is stealing apples from your garden. What do you oh, shout yeah. at him? Uh, not again, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> By the barest of all margins. That was, that was good. Yeah, I don't know any of the PSL teams. Who are they? No, Who are they? no one does. My, I don't think I don't think oh. many people have named any. I, w- I watched about three games and then it, it got called off, didn't it? I, I, uh, the Islamabad Scorchers. That's good enough for Quetta. me. Yep, yeah, accept that. Yep, good. Quetta, Quetta Gladiators, Karachi mm. Kings. Yeah, oh, that's an easy one to remember. By and large, as the quiz show host, you should you should have the answers at hand. <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> These are the sort of tips that we should be picking up on. Actually, we should perhaps you could. You know, with your with your background in production and quizzes, you could you could coach us, Richard. You really enjoyed that TV dog, there, Miles. I'm always amazed that Bouncer hasn't come up. Bouncer was a sort of go to answer for for year for years, and Bouncer. It, it's horrible to think now. Of course, it's to you know, it's symptom of the passing of time. But uh, there's a whole generation of people who are absolutely oblivious to Bouncer. When you see old television shows like from the 80s or 70s, and there's animals, it just makes me sad because you know because you know they're no longer with us. And shows from the 60s, I'm like that with actors. You know, when they have like older actors playing judges or things from shows from the 70s, you're like, oh, that was like a day they turned up at work, didn't they, and did that, and it had that lovely. And now it's 40 years later, and they makes me sad, Mark. That'd be you one day, Miles. People I are feel watching like... an old episode of Rev. People are watching Rev and go, who's this 60-year-old man? Yeah. <laughs> I feel the same, actually. You know when you walk past, like... Um... It's like a mini supermarket and they've got those photos that are stuck onto the windows of things that are perishable, like lettuce and tomatoes. Uh, and I always think, well, those those will have rotted now, the lettuces and tomatoes in that picture. And I think it's a really, I think it's a very bold choice. It's a very bold choice to advertise something which is, you know, about freshness with things that are clearly Per, you know, perishable, and they should have signs up saying the ones that we've got in today are genuinely fresh. The ones that you're looking at now, they they will have rotted to nothing. They've mulched. They've returned to the trees from whence we all came. You know, <laughs> this is. I mean, I've never thought about it before, Miles. You certainly. You know what? You've given everyone a little bit of food for thought there. That is certainly something. <laughs> hey. uh, 
I don't think I ever have thought about the difference between a sauna and a steam room before. It's dry heat and wet heat. Well, I suppose so, but I mean, it's much... Yeah, I guess so. I've just never thought about it. In a, so a steam room, obviously, you can't see so much because it's steamy, and that's not the case in a sauna, but maybe you're unaware of that. I think I've spent more time in, in saunas then, where you can kind of see. So I don't think I've spent... I don't think steam rooms <laughs> are something I've really come across. If this podcast title episode isn't, I think I've spent more time in steam rooms. Uh, <laughs> I think, thinking about it, and I'll think about it long and hard after this, I reckon you probably have, Richard. You know, some people in their houses have like... You're more likely to have a sauna in your house, but you'd have to be quite, you'd have to be quite the big deal to have a sauna in your own house. But that's what I think. And sometimes you have hotel. I was in a hotel in Austria, and that had like a sauna in the room. But that was a sauna. There's no steam. It was just hot. So I think saunas. That's right. My answer is my answer is B saunas. Final. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's that's probably the most thorough examination of an answer we've um, we've ever given, or, or indeed been forced to give. Richard, um, thank you very much indeed for giving up time from your uh, your hectic schedule to join uh, ninety five mile an hour pace bowler Mark Wood, and um, I don't know what I am, uh, <laughs> Richard. <laughs> It's very nice indeed to see you. Thank you very much indeed for 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 coming. Lovely Thank to you. meet you, Mark. See you on Pop the Celebrity soon. See you soon. So there we go, Mark. That was uh, that was uh, TV's uh, TV's Richard Osman. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed that you finished with um, Mark uh, Mark Wood fastballer and oh, I don't know what I am. Of course, you're the opening partner of Sandro Strauss. There is that. I forget. I I I. Um... I forget sometimes to include uh, opening batsmen in my CV, uh, probably because I've only done it about three times in the last um, last decade, sadly. But yeah, Richard, I'm, it's a shame, isn't it, that he he, he can't play in a way because he's. I mean, what I mean, he must be six foot six or seven or yeah, something he, ludicrous. He'd be a lethal fastballer, wouldn't he? He'd be he'd be the Jason Holder of England. But also mentally, he's, he's very sort of calm guy, and he would be sometimes like I find when I'm playing. You know, you get turn up one of those clubs, and it's a sort of like a like a load of old boys. Some of them are like in their early seventies, and they run in and they just put it on the spot, mm. just endlessly. And eventually, you miss one. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. And I think he's got that kind of. He's much younger than that. Much much younger than that, of course. But he's got that sort of calmness, and he'll think. Oh, I, I disagree. I think he'd be a modern one day a bowler because he, he's a bright bloke. He analyses the opposition. I think he'd, he'd have every slow ball in the book. He'd get his fields right with his angles. I think he'd think outthink batsmen. Well, I guess, I mean, if Dermot Reeve, of course, will be a big influence on him, I suppose. Dermot Reeve was one of those, you know, people talk about like Owen Morgan being someone that really sort of got white ball cricket early. But Dermot Reeve was, you know, such a sort of innovator uh, in that, you know, he would sort of mix it up and whatever. And I, th- I imagine actually he'd be like a sort of six foot seven. And there is no greater praise than this, really. I, I think he'd basically he'd be a six foot seven Dermot Reeve. Mm. I can see that. The massive team that you have behind you, Mark, the uh, that powerful agency, you should get them to absolutely bombard Richard with requests for you to appear on an episode of Pointless Celebrities. The problem is, though, like the name of the show, it will be absolutely pointless me being on because I'm as thick as a castle wall. I'm not sure that's the case. You've got a wide range of interests. I, I've done, I do very badly on those sorts of things. And partly I sort of panic. I remember the first time I went on it, I remember sitting in the green room before they went on. They went, have you seen the show? Do you know how it works? And I said, yes, absolutely. And then I got out there and I thought, I don't think I have seen this actually. 
and, um, and, then, and then and then they're explaining. I knew what like the graphics what it looked like because it seems to be sort of online. And I had to really concentrate during the actual game while they're you know they skim over the rules every time kind of thing for a sort of first time viewer. But I was that, and I was thinking, oh, I don't quite know what's going on. And I became I became sort of quite panicked. Um, but uh, mercifully, we I was on with Kerry Godleman, and mercifully we were we were off first. But I found it genuinely stressful. Well, the the game show that I've been on, I've done Question of Sport um, four times. I've got three victories and one loss. And um, I think that's a good return. I I think I've qualified from the group stage, wouldn't you say? That's 3-1. That's great. That's 75%. Yeah. Who were you on with on Question of Sports? I used to like, when I was young, I would get so excited when it was like um, Beaumont and Botham. That was probably my sort of Question of Sport Mm. era. So I've never been on Tufnell's team. I've always been on Matt Dawson's team to keep the cricketers apart. Um, I've been on with um, Carl Frampton, the, the boxer, uh, Hannah Cockroft, the Paralympian. Um, who else have I been on? Oh, my loss was with James Cracknell, and I'll never forgive him. He didn't get one run question right. Couldn't believe it. Do you think that's because he's just so focused on rowing? Yeah, he's, he's that focused on it that he he didn't know anything about it. He um, he was he was a lovely guy. Um, I remember the the last round was the the one where Matt Dawson gets up and he. He's got the word behind him and he's trying to describe the sport and I don't know, it could be an event, it could be a specific thing like a reverse sweep or something very specific. And I remember it was something to do with calling on the run. So it was to do with the guy that calls out in a certain stroke or something like that. And we spent the three minutes or two, we spent two minutes, 45 of the three minute block trying to get this right he wouldn't Matt Dawson wouldn't pass and let it go he just kept going on and on and unfortunately James Cracknell just couldn't get it and from that moment I've um, I've never forgiven <laughs> well <laughs> you must you must you must get over it at some point um great well thank you very much indeed for listening to uh this episode of Middle Please Umpire featuring uh the fabulous Richard Osman um uh polymath and giant um, a question that arises from this, would you say, uh, how about, because he was talking about that uh, uh, Lloyd Kant, Imran Khan, what is the best uh, sign uh, or banner that you've seen uh, held up at a cricket or other sporting event? Um, is that a good question, Mark? You're looking, you look deeply, oh, yeah, no, very thumbs happy up. With it. Thumbs up. Yeah. And, uh, well, perhaps, uh, perhaps we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, should be taken and is taken. Brilliant from Mark Wood. What a spell this has been. For all the latest cricket betting markets, in-play odds and promotions, visit williamhill.com or download the free app. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Sports Social Podcast Network.